section. We're continually looking at the life and the ministry and the power and authority of the Lord Jesus. And our passage today is from Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 14 through to verse 28. So Luke chapter 11, verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd were amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the, finger of, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armour in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in a crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Thank you, Nigel, very much. Let's pray together now as we come to God's word. Father, we pray that you might uh, speak to us and speak to us with your own natural power and authority as we seek to understand and apply this to our lives. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. So it's Luke chapter 11 and verses 14 to 28. And um, <clears throat> I'd like to take sides this evening. I'd like you to take sides. It's, uh, it's something we do quite a lot, don't we? I, I mean, I imagine we'll be taking sides on Wednesday night, England or Denmark, probably. Um, uh, if you're neutral, though, it's often quite fun to take sides anyway, isn't it? So uh, we had the rugby premiership final between Quinns and Exeter. Um, it was a couple of weeks back now. And uh, uh, I, 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 yeah, I didn't know who should we support kind of thing. It's, but it's just nice. So I, I, I sided with Quinns. They happened to win just. And uh, it just makes it a bit more interesting, doesn't it, if you're, if you're going for one side or the other. Um, but we take 
sides in all sorts of things, not just sport, is it? We take sides in, uh, you know, a, a new school uniform, for instance, and you take sides, you know, I, I think it's great or I think it's dreadful, and, you know, why have we chosen orange or something like that? Or uh, maybe there's a, the new 20-mile-an-hour speed limit, and we take sides. It's far too slow, or it's not, or it's not slow enough, and all the rest of it. Or cycle lanes. Well, we've done quite a lot of that, haven't we? Um, so Christians, actually, you know, are people who take sides. Christians are people who have taken sides on the most important decision anyone could ever take. And Christians can't be, oh, whatever, when it comes to matters of eternal destiny, when it comes to heaven and hell. We've got to take sides. These things are just too important just to be, or to pretend to be, or try to be neutral about. We can't do that. Well, this evening, Luke 11, 14 to 28, time to take sides. Now, what happened was that Jesus did a miracle. Uh, and normally what happens in the Bible, when you have a miracle, there's quite a lot of detail on the miracle. And then there's just a little bit of discussion about it, like the crowd were amazed or some people believed in Jesus. Uh, so you've got a lot, normally a lot of stuff on the miracle and a little bit on people's reaction. Here, it's around the other way. You've got one little verse on the miracle, and it's verse 14 here. Uh, and then there's a load of discussion about it. So in verse 14, Jesus is driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man uh, who had been mute spoke. And the crowd were amazed, and so on, on beyond that. And uh, uh, and here, there's an awful lot of stuff which you see people taking sides in terms of their reaction to what Jesus had done. So, for instance, the next verse, verse 15, some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So, in other words, hang on, this is the devil's work. Hang on, we've got this guy walking around and doing these things, but actually, he's not good, he's evil. He's doing the devil's ministry. Well, really? I mean, we can take sides in that ourselves, can't we? Because on the one hand, you could be thinking, yeah, that's right. I think Jesus was evil. Do you believe that? Or on the other side, or the, or on the other side you could be thinking, no, that's completely wrong. There's no way. The evidence that we have doesn't say Jesus is evil. He was a good man. And then you go on a little bit, uh, verse 23, and there's more side-taking. When Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. You see, you can't, what Jesus is saying, you can't just sit on the fence. You can't say, well, maybe, maybe not, perhaps I'll decide later on. In fact, I'll decide not to decide. Because to decide not to decide is to decide. No, today Jesus wants us to take sides. And as in verse 23 there, which side are you on? Whoever is not with me is against me. There's no third option. You're either with Jesus or you're against Jesus. That's what he's saying. And, uh, and then he also says, whoever does not gather with me scatters. So you're either with me and gathering with me or you're against me and you're scattering. There's no third option. There's no kind of fence in the middle. Got to take sides. Let's have a little bit more detail about this. We're thinking about taking sides. And the first thing here uh, is Jesus, good, not evil. Let's have a look at verses 14 to 19 in a little bit more detail. Jesus cast out the demon, the mute man spoke. 
I mean, no one denied the miracle had taken place. Their question was who had really done it. What's going on here? Who has done this? Who is this who has done this here? So verse 15, some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. In other words, they're saying that Jesus is on the side of the evil one. Beelzebub actually is, uh, um, uh, is, a, cor- is a corruption of Beelzebul, uh, which you find in 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 2. Uh, it's the name of the, the Philistine god of Ekron. Um, and in the Greek version of the Old Testament, it's translated Baal the fly god, or if you like, Lord of the flies. The Lord of the dung heap. The Lord of rotting flesh. It's a kind of calculated blasphemy. It's immensely perverse. And what they're saying is, well, look, Jesus is in league with the devil. He's teamed up with the devil. He's on the devil's side. And this is calling good evil. That's really serious. And that's, in fact, that's not just serious. That's really dangerous. They're standing here on, on the edge of an abyss. And staring down into a lost eternity. Because when you call good bad, when you call light darkness, when you call white black, when you call holiness evil, when you can't see the good when you see it, or you won't see the good when you see it, how are you ever going to recognize goodness? When it stares you in the face. Seems to me this is very close to what Jesus called the unforgivable sin. Because it's very hard to see a way out when you think that evil is good and good is evil. Now Jesus has two arguments with the people here. So in verses 17 and 18, uh, just glance at those with you. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided itself against itself will be ruined. And a house divided itself against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? He says, if that's true, if I drove out the demon by the prince of demons, the devil, then I'm on his side, aren't I? So how come... I would drive out an evil spirit. How come evil, you're saying, will drive out evil? How come that happens? I mean, uh, and the trouble is, it says that when you get a house divided against itself, it will fall. And you see this, I'm not going to make a party political point at all, I'm just making an observation, but you see that in our political system, don't you, in recent years. So on the one hand, so you've had the Labour Party, and you've had divisions between the the, the more extreme left and the kind of gently left of centre, haven't you? Big arguments and so on there. Or on the other side, you've got the, uh, the Conservative Party, and big debate between those who are more on the right of the, of the Conservative Party and those are kind of just slightly right of centre and those big debates mainly about Europe for the Tory side and, uh, uh, and uh, more about the extreme left wing for instance folks in, in the Labour movement I'm not making, I'm just making an observation and you see what happens is they both found it with those divisions within their parties or those debates in their parties very difficult a house divided against itself will fall and uh, uh, and then those debates get to be battles and uh, uh, Jesus says a house divided against itself when you're talking about evil casting out evil 
will fall. You don't want that to happen if you happen to be on that particular side, do you? And then in verse 19, look at verse 19. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So he's saying that, that these guys, there were other people um, on the Jewish side of things here who were also driving out demons. So that was happening. And, and Jesus says, well, look, if, if your guys are driving out evil spirits too, then by what you're saying, then they must be evil from what you're saying. Or as a friend of mine uh, uh, said when he wrote about this, he said, ha, chew on that. <laughs> and uh, uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a daft thing to say that, that um, because they drove out a demon that he's evil. Why would evil drive out evil? And Jesus says, secondly, uh, if I'm evil, then so are your guys. So Jesus, good or evil, take sides. What do you think? What would you say? Good or evil? I mean, he's just done a really good thing, hasn't he? Let's take sides here. And let's clearly and deliberately say Jesus is good, not evil. Second thing here, Jesus, God, not man. God, not man. Now, verse 20 is really rather important. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, that's a strange phrase, we'll come to that in a sec, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Finger of God. It's there in Exodus. You know, before they, uh, before they, the, the, um, God's people came out of Israel, there were loads of plagues to try and persuade Pharaoh to let the people go. And one of those was the plague of gnats. And in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 19, uh, the plague of gnats is a bit like going to Scotland in the summer, isn't it? Uh, midges everywhere in everything and so on. Now, uh, and now in Exodus chapter 8, the Egyptian magicians say to Pharaoh about the gnats, this is the finger of God's. We can't do this. We can emulate the other things, but we can't do this. This is the finger of God's. And Jesus is claiming the same power. He's saying, by the finger of God, by the power of God, I have made this, I've driven out this demon and made this mute bloke able to speak again. So it's claim is that he's in league with, that he is the Lord God Almighty. Martin Luther said, talking of Jesus, he ate, drank, slept, washed, was weary, sorrowful, rejoicing. He wept, he laughed, he knew hunger and thirst and sweat. He talked, he toiled, he prayed. So there was no difference between him and other men, save only this, that he was God. And had no sin. And if this Jesus is God, and if this is therefore God's work, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus saying it's arrived in me. Now imagine you're standing on Hope Station. It's uh, 7.51, no, 8.51, 8.51. And uh, the 8.51 to Victoria is just coming along from the Port Slade direction. You're on platform, whatever it is, two or whatever. And, uh, uh, and you see the train coming. It pulls into the station. It stops and the doors open and it's arrived. Same idea. 
In Jesus, the kingdom of God has arrived. In Jesus, God is breaking into creation to reclaim humanity from Satan's grip. And Jesus is saying, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, verse 20, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's here. It's arrived. The rule of God, the reign of God in your lives, it's here. I'm amongst you now. The place where God reigns, it's arrived in Jesus. And you need to take sides. There's no fence sitting. There's no neutrals. There's no Switzerland. You know, neutral place, neutral country in the Second World War. The kingdom of God is here. You need to take sides. Are you in or are you out? It's either one or the other. You can't kind of be, well, maybe I'm a bit of this. No, you're either in or you're out. That's it. Take sides. There's no third option. There's no, I'll decide later. Because if you're going to say, I'll choose later, you're choosing not to choose. And you're choosing no. You're choosing out. Take sides here. Who is Jesus? Is he God or is he man? Has he brought the kingdom of God? What do you think? Take sides. Are you in or are you out? So Jesus, good not evil, God not man, take sides. What do you think? What do you believe? Whose side are you on? And then Jesus, powerful, not just strong. Let's look at verses 21 and 22. When a strong man, this is the devil, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger, that's Jesus, attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. So the strong man is the devil, okay? His possessions are people, people like your friends and family, like my friends and family, who he possesses if they're not believers, like uh, uh, the mute man before he was freed by Jesus. But, verse 22, there's someone stronger than the devil, and his name is Jesus. So let's be clear, first of all on this, the devil is strong. And the house, in verse 21, beginning of verse 21 there, uh, his own house, is literally courtyard. So it's got the idea perhaps of maybe battlements or it could even be a castle. So we don't despise and mock the devil. We take him seriously because he is strong. He holds people captive before they become Christians. But Jesus is more powerful. And as this passage says here, verses 21 and verse 22, um, Jesus has attacked and overpowered the devil. He took away his armor. He's taken his plunder. He did that at the cross and through his resurrection. And he's won a great, great victory over the devil on Calvary's tree. There. The devil was defeated by an awesomely powerful Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not afraid of the devil. We can confront the devil, but be aware he is strong. But the weapons of our warfare are effective against him as we pray down the strongholds. I mean, you think of all the battles in history, all the big ones, 1066, Battle of Hastings, 1746, Culloden, Waterloo, 1815, the Somme, 1916, Battle of Britain, 1940, D-Day, 1944, and so on. 
Well, all of them, and add them all up. In fact, add up all the battles of history. And they're not anywhere near, together, combined, anywhere near as significant as the Battle of Calvary around about AD 30, where the Lord Jesus overpowered and removed the devil's armor, divided up his plunder. That is power. That is true power. That is cosmic power. That is eternal power. And Jesus says, take sides. Take sides. Whose side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the winning, victorious side? Or the side that has lost? And will one day be utterly, completely defeated and destroyed? You can be on either side. Your choice. You decide. Take sides. So take sides. Jesus, good not evil, God not man, powerful not just strong. So therefore... Two things as we head towards the close. Take sides, but not just take sides, commit. And uh, so first of all, take sides. Have a look at verse 23 here. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So not everyone benefits from Jesus' victory. Verse 23, some are not with Jesus. Verse 28, some don't hear the word of God and obey. I mean, naturally, we'll, we, we will try, won't we, to perhaps choose some kind of middle way. We live in a hove. We don't want to offend people. We want to be nice and, and get along with our neighbors and so on. Uh, but Jesus said, no, you've got to take sides. There's no fence. You can't sit on it. Take sides. There's no compromise position. Jesus says, you're either with me or you're against me, guys. It's one or the other. Take sides. There's a decision need to be made. First time you do it when you're a Christian. And then every morning, whose side am I going to be on today? Am I going to walk with Jesus? Am I going to be on his side today? Verse 23 again. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scattered. We make a lot of decisions, don't we? You apply to uni, you decide where you're going to go to, a job interview, you've got to decide if you want the job. Holidays, you decide if you're going to go on holiday, if it's worth uh, the risk, trying to go abroad or whatever, uh, where you're going to go and so on. They're all decisions, aren't they? Strange though, isn't it? There are an awful lot of people who think they don't need to make a decision about their eternal destiny, about things like this. And Jesus says, whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever doesn't gather with me scatters. With Jesus, against Jesus. There's no third option. And taking sides means we also need to commit. So uh, verses 24 to 26, and then I think it's explained by 27 to 28. So 24 to 26, Jesus tells his story of this impure spirit, probably cast out of someone's life, 
their home and uh, uh, and then that's left empty so when he goes back he uh, then takes his mates back with him and f- the final condition of the person was worse than it was in the first place now what did jesus mean by that story it's kind of difficult if you'd kind of dig around in it you think well um, what's really going on there well i think it's explained in verses 27 and 28 that it's probably at the end of verse 26 there's probably a bit of an awkward silence in the crowd and then as jesus was saying these things uh or maybe there was but a, a woman in the crowd called out blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you and jesus replies verse 28 blessed rather are those who hear the word of god and obey it I think that is explaining verses 24 to 26. Um, look, if you turn your life over to Jesus, if you join the kingdom of God, you can't just leave your life empty. You can't just carry on living as if it makes no difference whatsoever. Your life, your house, needs to be filled with obedience to God as the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. And that shows, of course, our true conversion, doesn't it? See, taking sides, just taking sides is not actually enough got to commit as well and in our life it's as if you know there are three bits of our anatomy that need to meet need to be converted our our heads our hearts and our hands our heads we've got to understand it we've got to make a mental descent our hearts you've got to be committed to it and that means doing stuff the hands bits our hands and our hearts and our heads all need to be on the right side living it out for jesus we need to see this and what we do, how we live, how we treat others, how we speak to and about others and so on. And the trouble is, you see, if, we, if, if taking sides is just, yeah, 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 it's just up here, just my head, that's okay. No, it's not okay. Because Jesus is saying, if it's just a kind of little tick, then you're like the person who turned away from the devil and took sides for Jesus in verse 24. And then he came back and nothing had changed. And God wants to fill our house with his spirit and urges us in obedience every day. God wants us to take sides and commit. Uh, A prayer of John Wesley. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to you, your pleasure and disposal. And now glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And this covenant now made on earth let it be satisfied in heaven. Amen. Take sides. Commit. Let's do both.